0: Mira, how did you yeah. get to where you are today? How did you get to the character that you are?
1: Oh man, it's been a journey. Like, <laughs> where do we start? Do we start when I came out of the womb or are we going to start
0: <laughs> when I actually started moving into fitness? And like, I feel like fitness journey. <laughs> okay, what's, okay. what's your, um, what's your like Marvel origin story? Marvel origin story.
1: Well, I was birthed from the womb. No. Okay. Um, so <laughs> I started with dance. Dance was kind of my portal into the fitness first. So that was my first sport around, gosh, like six, seven, you know, you start with ballet. And then when I was 11, 12, I got really into it. I was part of a pre-professional program. I was dancing oh. 10 to hours a week. Um, I kind of took up my life and I loved it and it brought me a lot but when I hit 16 I actually graduated high school and that's when things changed for me so two years prior to my graduation I actually picked up ashtanga yoga and I became a hardcore yogi.
0: (laughs) What What kind of yoga is that what's ashtanga?
1: So Ashtanga is a practice um, that originated from Patabi Joyce, and it is a practice where you do the same practice every single day for six days a week. And really, it is about tuning in with your breath, tuning in with your body, noticing those changes in your body and your mind each and every day, and breathing through that, acknowledging that, working through that. But it is also very intense. So I had a very vigorous Ashtanga yoga practice. And then I had a very intensive dance training. um, And that's kind of where my health started getting compromised. Mm. So, At the time, I wanted to get smaller. I wanted to get abs, you know, all the things that hit you when you're a young kid and you start Mm -hmm. to see people in magazines and you're around a bunch of other dancers that look a certain way and you're like, oh, I should look like that too. And you also have cripplingly low self-esteem. But that's kind of when my neurotic tendencies started coming up, when I was dancing and doing yoga. I closed off dance when I closed off high school. But then I decided to travel and I actually headed to India to practice yoga at the time. And um, so that was kind of the next chapter. I had yoga life. Then I actually ended up dropping a lot of weight. My eating neuroses got worse, I think, due to the fact that I was an alone child, basically in India at 16, 17 years old. Um And then that kind of spun me down a hole really for five, six years where I did struggle with different eating disorders. I did pick up lifting through that period of time, which I loved. It was actually really good for me. Um, but after India, I had a back injury. Then I ended up taking some time off. Then I started working on a boat, body weight, trained, then moved into lifting. Then I moved into hand balancing. At some point in there, we went on a rock climbing trip. Then I recovered. (laughs) And now I'm where I'm at, where I do a mix of lifting, trail running, hand balancing, um, and just lifing. But yeah, I mean, there's a chunk there of five, six years that was kind of all over the place and I could go in depth, but that would be many different tangents, many different stories. But if I do summarize it, young dancer girl who loves yoga, Kind of gets fucked over by diet culture, misinformation leading to eating disorders, eating disorders lasting four or five years, recovery being a slog, eventually finding liberation through working on her relationship with self, moving into lifting, enjoying the outdoors, reframing fitness, and uh living my life
0: <laughs> good so what so what do you do now? yeah, so.
1: When I first moved to where I live right now in Victoria, B.C., that's when I started working more in person consistently. So prior to that, I had done some personal training work in Montreal. I had done some handstand classes when I was living in different places in Canada. But I was finally like, no, fitness is what I want to do. Like, I want to train people. I want to connect with people. It just makes sense. So I started working in person there. I loved it, but of course, pandemic hit. So at that point, I had actually started working for Stronger You Nutrition, which is where I was doing some contracting at the time. Um, But then last year, me and Jen, who was one of the fellow trainers at my gym, we teamed up and we launched body coaching. So right now we do online fitness and nutrition coaching, where we kind of look at the big picture you know, all the different parts of health and also the relationships that you have with yourself, with fitness, with nutrition, and get people to a place where they not only feel good in their body, but also just can live a bigger life. And that's really
0: the mission. Yeah, That's fantastic. I'm so on board with that, like holistic coaching. Uh, It's just, it's too easy to focus on, you know, just the sets and reps where actually you've got a human in front of you that is far more complicated than that. And there's much, much more impactful changes that you can make.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure you've seen it too, or you've experienced it too. I actually don't really know your story, <laughs> but like you, you, you encounter people every once in a while where you can see that they have such a strong focus on their appearance and their body or what they can do with it, that they lose sight of everything else. Um, and it's, it's, it's quite challenging to experience or to see
0: that yeah I, I um i think i have a slightly unusual story that i wasn't um like a sporty kid i wasn't in big into sports in high school like i did play some sports at school but i wasn't i think a very common coach story is especially male coach story is Sporty kid, like, was pretty good at a sport up until a certain point, whether that's at school or they were semi-pro or pro or whatever, and then they moved into coaching from there. And that wasn't me at all. and um, My main sport as an adult was climbing, so I was, I was a climber too. I um, did sport climbing with the, a military team um, for quite a few years, four or five years, um, <laughs> to a to a pretty decent level, and then I kind of went into more weight side of that from that so I was like I got to a point where I wasn't improving my climbing I couldn't climb enough to keep improving and so I started lifting looking at how to improve performance with lifting and then eventually like the amount of lifting versus the amount of climbing I was doing kind of just went whoop until now. now I'm a lifter and I occasionally climb rather than the other way around so that's kind of my story your story seems really listen to it is really typical female story like female problems Mm -hmm. at the pressure of society um comparison wanting to be smaller and then obviously developing an eating disorder from that so like it's it's such a shame that our society is kind of built that way and it's so common tell tell me about your recovery from your eating disorder if you can like how how did you do that
1: yeah i mean i so. First, touching on like let's, let's, let's touch on what got me there because I think that's important to cover as I talk yeah, about the recovery. Um, so when it comes to our society, I feel like women, girls, especially in high school, were never educated on how much food we should actually be eating. Like it's not a topic that comes up. Even as a dancer, I had no idea what proper fueling looked like. None. So when it came to me looking at nutrition advice, even when I started wanting to make this change, it came from a very like positive place. I wanted to improve my health at the time because I had been staying with my dad who owned a bakery and I was basically living off of cheese sticks. <laughs> okay, home girl, we're not gonna live off of cheese sticks anymore. Let's eat some vegetables. So that's what actually kind of brought me onto Pinterest at the time because Pinterest was the hot <laughs> place to find recipes. And that's where you start seeing things like 1600 calories meal plan, 1500 calories meals plan, which is all fine and dandy if you're like a five foot three woman trying to lose weight who's fairly sedentary. But when you are someone who is training 25 hours a week and are a teenager, you're screwing yourself, right? Like, not like it's horrible. (laughs) So that was one of the big things that caused me to not know what I was supposed to eat and made me fall down, um, some pretty negative roads because I thought I should be eating 15, 1600 calories. That was one thing. Next thing, just really, really low self-esteem. Um, I don't think girls or women really have any resources on how to build themselves up or have positive role models who are examples of that. Just because my role model's were all people who suffered from low self esteem um, for the most part? And then just being more of that type A perfectionist type of person. Mm-hmm. So my recovery was kind of reversing <laughs> all of those things. Yeah. As yeah. in, I learned about proper fueling, I learned about macros, I learned about how much food I got to eat. And eventually after enough time in the pits of doom and despair, as I like to call it, when I was really, really struggling and not eating or binging and purging, I recognized, okay, Mira, like the only way through is to eat an adequate amount of food for your body. So you're no longer fighting your physiology. You're no longer fighting yourself. Um, Then on the side of low self-esteem, it really came down to recognizing that I had put so much of my worth into this changing of my body, into being this lean, fit, athletic person. Um, and it was that worth that I was holding on to that was at risk and at peril every single day when I was cycling through these habits that made me so volatile, like it made me just keep going through the roller coaster again and again and again and again, because I would question whether I was small enough or looked a certain way. I would feel bad about that. That would usually lead to me eating food as a crutch. Then I would feel bad about eating the food Then I would purge the food. You know, it, it's the cycle, <laughs> even when it's yeah, disordered yeah, eating. The
0: classic cycle. It
1: is the cycle. Yes, 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 yes. Um, and then, in terms of the perfectionist type A tendencies, those guys got gradually broken down. I'm actually going to attribute a great part of that to living on a sailboat for a few years. Like you can't, you can't be type A when shit is breaking every single day and your plans change every single day. You've got to learn how to be flexible and adaptable. So travel was really great for that, um, and I think over time I just chilled out. So. Basically, it was awareness of all of these three things. Awareness that I had to eat more, that I had to fuel my body and knowing how to fuel my body. It was awareness of how my worth and where I was placing my worth was affecting me and bringing me down. And then it was awareness that I was a type A perfectionist woman. And that shit, <laughs> that shit was actually doing the opposite of moving me forwards. Yeah. So In terms of recovery as a whole, it was very slow. I did not reach out for help. Hyper-independent Mira, hello, needs to do things on her own. Hello. God damn it. I wish I reached out. If anyone is listening to this and they have something going on, some kind of pathology, some kind of eating disorder, get help. I know, I know, I know. It's so hard when you're in it, but you're going to save yourself years of your life. You're gonna give yourself a gift of living years of your life fully instead of living years of your life half there. Um so with that I finally got to a point where I had chilled out my my purging. I had gotten more consistent with my eating, but I still wasn't eating enough. That actually was the first time I hired a nutrition coach where mm-hmm. I recognized, okay, I can tell someone to tell me how much I know I should be eating but I don't trust myself to eat that amount. I'm going to eat the food. They're going to look at the numbers. They're going to make the adjustments there. <laughs> the first nutrition coach I got me, I got you, put me on 2,800 calories. <laughs> so you can imagine like person trying to eat 1,800 calories, feeling better, better food, getting this program that says 2,800 calories. I was like, uh, what the fuck? But at that point I'd made the commitment So I ate the food and I realized through that experience that my body could handle it.
0: Mm, yeah. Yeah.
1: So that, yeah, like it was that tracking of the macros and eating a certain amount of food that helped me realize, oh, I can trust myself. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that's a really important thing to go through for anybody who's had that, um, that experience to at least maintain weight for a long period of time. But definitely, that gaining weight experience can be so transformational for people. I spoke to um, a new client not long ago, um, and she said she was on a deficit most of the time. So she's losing weight most of the time. It's so like how how is that possible? Like you can't you can't just be losing weight all the time, never gaining weight. Like what is the what's the end point of that? You can't do that forever. Um, and when I suggested. Maintaining weight, and then gaining weight, gaining weight, she said that the thought of that terrifies me. And that's it that's exactly why you need you need to do it because it shouldn't terrify you. like that's it's perfectly fine. and you're not suddenly going to like look entirely different if you just gain a couple of kilograms, a couple of pounds, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, it's such a such a common thing. I had a I had a message from not a client, just a, a message on Instagram um from a woman who said i'm interested in like losing weight can i ask you some questions and she said i've just just recovered from an eating disorder so like i said how long ago she said a few months a few months (laughs) ago (laughs) you laugh Why why do you laugh
1: i laugh because i know the desperation i know the desperation like for me my again like i said my recovery wasn't linear so i had india dropped 20 pounds there. I actually had a back injury and I gained 60 pounds within the span of eight months. Mm -hmm. And that was out of controlled eating due to extreme hunger, which is a natural part of the process for most people in recovery. Um, But that is where you feel so out of control and you feel so bad about yourself and you feel feel so bad in your skin because again, you're in a completely different body than the one that you prided yourself on. Mm -hmm. Being in that place, I was desperate to lose weight Mm. even when i had gone through you know like even a couple years after that i still clung on to that desperation and that fear and the fear is so great and i'm sure you see it with these types of clients um not the one who just recovered from her eating disorder but the ones that you were mentioning who are looking to maintain or gain a few kilos it actually is that fear of gaining weight which i think so many of us women hold on to that stops us from achieving our goals including weight loss it's so
0: silly. ironic yeah, so <laughs> yeah. 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 For, for, for anyone listening to this in, in the future and um, the reason i bring that up the woman who's you know just recovered from eating disorder a few months ago is that that's such a short amount of time and basically my advice to her very carefully to her was that cannot be your priority at the moment like you need to work on your um, relationship with food and at least maintain weight for a much longer period of time before you even think about losing weight again. Um but yeah it, it, exactly as Mary's saying that is that's the that's the kind of cycle that you get into, isn't it? It's very very common. If you are struggling with these kind of things, you're not alone. Very common. Yeah. Unfortunately yeah.
1: there's so many layers and it's so hard. And when you're there again you're in this constant state of denial. <laughs> You're in this constant state of denial and you get really, really good at like lying to yourself. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's tough. It's mm-hmm. tough. Get the support you need and know that there is a way to move through that where you mm-hmm. can find peace with yourself and peace with food and feel good in your body too. It just mm-hmm. takes time.
0: Great advice. How old are you, now? <laughs> Twenty-three. Twenty-three.
1: <laughs> oh you know, I don't actually think that I've announced it in a public place because I always feel so like insecure about my age.
0: Do you know, do because- you know what? I, I knew I knew you were young, but that's surprising. But it's. I was just thinking like you could you could write a book already and you're so young and you're 23 when you write a book when you're you know 50 or something it's going to be amazing I'm going to buy that book because you've stories you've had already I feel like we've only just scratched the surface as well like yeah I went to India yeah I lived on a sailboat for a few years like what like I want to talk to you an hour about just the sailboat experience you know.
1: That'll be fun. That, that's what I'm going to keep in the bank. I don't know if people are ready to hear about that.
0: <laughs> that's a totally different. That's your podcast. You need My to podcast. <laughs> you need to make that happen. Okay. Um, okay. Let me ask you. Um, so that is your character creation. That's what went into making Mirror Mirror. Yeah.
1: This
0: is the tutorial level? What do you want the listeners to learn from you today? Or uh, what is one thing if you could just like snap your fingers and teach everybody listening to everybody in the world today? One thing, what would it be? Go ahead.
1: I'm just going to roll into becoming your own support system. I feel like this is something that pretty much none of us are taught to do, but is so, so, so important. In moving forwards in any domain. You know, we were just talking about um, relationship with food, relationship with your body, your fitness, your nutrition. Become your own support system. Don't do it from a place where it's you hating you and you battling you. Even in any other kind of life endeavor, like just become your own support system. Be on your own team. It was so funny because a few months back, I was talking with a friend and he was asking me a few questions about myself and where I was at right now. And when I was answering him, I was talking in wheeze like, oh, yeah, we're doing pretty good right now. Um, We're thinking about doing blank, blank, blank. And my mind is here or we're here right now. And he questioned me on that. He's like, why do you say we when you're talking about yourself? And I kind of had to step back for a little bit and be like, huh, why do I do that? And I realized that now I, real, like, I realize and I recognize that I'm in a relationship with myself. Mm-hmm. And when we are working together, or really, I've worked really hard to create this relationship with myself. So I acknowledge now we are working together. We are on the same team. And when it comes to me and my mindset and where I'm at and how I'm moving forwards, it is in partnership with myself. Um, So yeah, I think that many of us approach fitness and nutrition, or again, any other big life thing that we're trying to do from this place of kind of hating ourselves or not liking where we're at right now. And it almost ends up being this battle. We almost end up being in this abusive relationship with ourselves. I see it in my clients all of the time, you know, where they just criticize themselves and pick themselves apart and tell themselves everything that they're doing wrong while they are trying to work towards having a good relationship with themselves and their yeah. body, <laughs> I'm like, no, this is not how we do it at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it really is about thinking about that the relationship, what your ideal kind of relationship looks like with someone else who you would like to be in partnership with in the world, what that looks like, and then that for yourself. Mm. Which is
0: easier said than done, but it's off in a big way. Yeah, definitely. So, so a big part of that is self compassion. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. A big part of that is self compassion. Yeah. Which, like you say, easier said than done a lot of the time. You hear quite often, don't you? Like, how would you treat a friend? Like, if a best friend was going through what are you go going through, how would you treat them? That's something I think about all the time because I'm quite guilty of beating myself up and like, being quite hard on myself a lot of the time. Um, yeah that's a useful thing for me i think mean, it's it's really cool that you kind of talk about yourself in the in the third person the the we <laughs> like who is that that's like Mira and Mira's brain or <laughs> like I think
1: so it's like mirror mirror right now and like mirrors a uh, mirror's internal brain spirit whatever but it's worked really well for me And again our relationship our relationship is not perfect but it sure works a whole lot a whole hell of a lot better when were we instead of i
0: versus i yeah when you're working together i love that i, th- I think there's definitely something to that because like um i'm trained in act acceptance and commitment therapy mm. um, if you're familiar and in that the um in like diffusion techniques diffusing from your um, thoughts, so like people fuse with their thoughts, so they become their thoughts. And um, part of that technique is um, a lot of like third person. So you talk about your brain in the third person. So like when your brain's telling you these stories, you can say, "Oh, that's the that's the not good enough story again from my brain." You'd be like, "Thanks, brain, for the not good enough story again." You know, and that helps helps you diffuse, helps you separate from from your thoughts. I think that's it's a very similar thing. Hi, future Andy here. Uh, at this point in the conversation, we got cut off and had to reconnect. So we tried to pick up the conversation where we were, but there might just be a bit of a jump here. So straight back to it. So there's definitely that use for um, helping with negative thoughts by making them third person. I think I think mm. so. there's definitely like, something psychological that's going on there that is helpful. So with you, it's like your um, relationship with yourself, and positive thoughts and, like, planning for the future, like, making those third person also helps in that way. Is that right? That's the kind of way I see that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it almost was unconscious. Like, I didn't mm. start going, okay, Mira is on Team Mira. We're in this together. woo <laughs> <laughs> It was just me doing the work behind the scenes to foster a better relationship or, again, to just have a lot of compassion and to become my own friend and to see how we're doing and this whole life thing together to a point where I enter a conversation talking about myself and it's all in the third person because I see myself in partnership with myself.
0: That's great. And that's, um, as you said, being your own support system. Yeah. I I like that term a lot.
1: Yeah, and what I often do with clients is, you know, if they're talking about themselves, like they're a piece of poo, as they often do. And <laughs> if you're listening to this, you're probably like, hmm, I might do that too. Um, I just ask them to think about the relationships that they really value in their life. Yeah. You know, the relationships that they have with their partner, the relationships that they have with a friend, or their ideal relationships, say, if they don't have any of those relationships right now. And I get them to think about the qualities of that. Good communication really important listening giving the person care and attention and love you know kind gestures words of affirmation also though calling someone out on their shit from a place of love where you want them to elevate not throwing shoes at them and telling them all the ways that they're horrible and why you hate them and why you need them out of your life right now, (laughs) right? That's not how you foster a positive relationship. So in understanding that, that what we are building is a relationship and we want one that helps us grow versus one that is abusive and brings us down, we can bring that back to ourselves. And then one other thing that has actually been really supportive for me right now, more along the lines of self-compassion, this one's a little bit weird, but it's actually helped me in such a big way, is that I think about five-year-old me and how she would see me and how I'm treating myself right now, or me and the things that I'm not doing right now, or me and the things that I'm doing right now. I want five-year-old Mira to think that I am so, like, I want her to think that me now is so cool. And is so on top of her stuff and is such a good person and is doing awesome things like recording podcasts and having her own business and going on trips and being a really good person. So that also has shifted how I see myself um, because it comes from a place of love and admiration and inspiration versus a place of not being good enough. That's an interesting one. <laughs>
0: That's fantastic. Fantastic. Okay. I mean, it am ask you. My next question, which is boss fight. What, what's your biggest challenge for either yourself or what you see in your clients? What's the biggest challenge?
1: I'm going to send this one to you. I'm actually curious before I go into my answer, which you already know, what do you see as your client's biggest challenges?
0: Oh man, I'd put me in the spot like that. I'm not... <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty stupid of me to like ask this question and not have my answer. <laughs> Ready to go? I don't know. I will tell you what, you you do yours, and I'll, and I'll think about what my answer is. Okay, okay,
1: okay. <laughs> so for me, it totally is one hundred percent myself. You know, like I acknowledge that I am totally a hot dumpster fire disaster of a human being. I love to get in my own way. Like I, I love just setting obstacles. It's literally like me. Grabbing a bunch of slippery banana peels and throwing one in front of myself and taking a step and then getting up off the floor and then throwing another one, slipping on it, coming back up. Oh, let's throw a little bit of oil next time. Okay, oops, I just fell flat on my back and bring myself back up. Continue. Like this is how I live my life. <laughs> it's gotten better, but I still get it in my own way, and I'm still a hot dumpster fire disaster of a human being. And um, and I would say it's the same actually for my clients. You know, yes, with fitness, with nutrition, with life, it is about strategy, it is about training, it is about doing things in an intelligent way, it is about crafting an environment that gets us there. But we are the ones who set roadblocks for ourselves every single step of the way. And I think recognizing that we, us we are the strategy that is the most important piece and in building ourselves up on building our mindset and how we see things our perspectives um bringing in some self-compassion doing the quote-unquote work that's how we actually move ourselves forwards so yeah those are mine
0: (laughs) okay before i I give mine so it's something that you say quite often i know it's like listening to you on your instagram stuff by the way follow me on instagram We'll give a handle at the end. It'll be in, linked in the uh, description, etc. She's great. Always talking on stories, talking like this. Like she's amazing. Anyway, um, it's something that you say quite often is like, oh, I'm a mess. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dumpster fire. Like you, I've heard you say that many, many times. That doesn't seem very self-compassionate to me. So like, how do you, how do you see those two? Like, are they at odds? Or do you feel like those two things kind of can coexist?
1: I think they can coexist. Right. You know, I think pretending that we are like magical fairy creatures or really good or on top of our stuff when we are, in fact, a mess, that only leads to more resistance and more clashing. We're human beings. We have this part of our brain that is a lizard. We have part of our brain that is prone to addictions. We have like, I, I am so scattered all over the place all of the time. I, I am a mess. I am a mess. hundred percent. That is what being human is. But in understanding that and being able to laugh at that and owning that, I actually think that's the most compassionate thing I can do. And that's actually what allows me to move forwards through those periods where my hot dumpster firiness comes out.
0: I think I understand then. So it's like, um, it's not being mean to yourself, saying "Oh, I'm a mess, I'm a a dumpster fire," um, but it's like accepting that you are, and that's okay. It's not like not beating yourself up about it. Like I'm just I'm just human. I'm a mess, but that's okay. Like I'm I'm still being kind to myself. I'm still doing my best. Is that right?
1: Pretty much, yeah. And I made a post a while ago when I was in hot dumpster fire mode, where I. (laughs) wrote that if most of my clients, or if most people could admit to themselves that they are a hot dumpster fire, when people do admit to themselves that they are a messy human being, that is when they can actually start to make progress. Because it's when you're in denial of that and when you're pretending that you're not messy or thinking that you need to be perfect or all of these other things, that you fight yourself every step of the way. No, you're a human. You're a mess. Accept it. It really comes down to self-acceptance. And then move forwards yeah. with that in mind. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. I, I think mine is kind of related to that then, actually. So mm-hmm. I think my the biggest challenge I see is all or nothing mentality. Really, really common. So like zero, 100, all or nothing. Um, a pretty common conversation I have with new clients is they'll say, "Oh, I'm, I'm going on holiday on this week uh, vacation for you, North American people. I'm on vacation okay. this week, um, but it's okay. Like, I'll find a gym. I'll, I'll make time. I'll do it. You know, I'm like, no, <laughs> it's fine. We'll plan a deload for that week. If you don't go to the gym at all, that's also fine. Like, it will make very very little difference." And that's just a really good example, I think, of that all or nothing mentality.
1: Yeah. And I'm curious for you, what, because I've been having thoughts on this one lately. Um, Like, what do you think causes people to love being all or nothing? Or why do you think most people spend time in the all or nothing? And I'm going to share my feelings after this, because I literally just recorded a spiel on this yesterday.
0: But I want to hear your thoughts first. Is it, is it like FOMO? Is it fear of missing out?
1: Wendy, what do you think they're missing out on though?
0: What, what do they think they're missing out? They're missing out. They think like they have to be 100% to get the maximum out of it or else they're missing out mm. on something. You know?
1: Yeah.
0: It's the same thing with like supplements. Like my view on supplements has evolved over years. But like where I'm at now is basically assume that nothing is worth it. You know? Yeah. Like unless it's really, really proven quite strongly that it is worth it. Like creatine. Everyone should be taking your creatine. Five grams a day every day for the rest of your life. It does you good, you know. Apart from that, like people are like, oh, should I take should I take this thing? Oh, Ashwagandha is like a new thing. Like that seems to be pretty good. Like, should I be taking it? Like, what do you think you're missing out on? You think you're missing out on like one percent or like a fraction of a percent? It's not it's not worth your your effort and your stress and your time and your money even if that's a small amount, it's not, worth, it's not worth it. So I think that's part of the all or nothing is like, I want to do everything I can in and out of the gym to get like 100% gains or else I'm missing out and therefore it's not worth it, you know? Yeah. That kind of, um, my friend friend Rachel, Rachel Henley, talks about the fuck it button. So she does a lot of nutrition, a lot of like weight loss <laughs> people and like they're on the diet, on the, on, the, on the diet, and then they eat one cookie and they go, fuck it. I fucked it. I'm off the diet. I eat the whole, the whole um, pack of cookies, you know, you know, hit the fuck it button. So that's, that's all or nothing mentality. Yeah. I'm not sure I gave you an answer. FOMO, I think, but I, you know, I'm not so sure. What do you think you've thought about it long with me?
1: Yeah. So I have a theory and it kind of touches on a oh. few pieces. Um, and it's something, God, I see this all the time. But like, because for me, most of my clients are busy women who take pride in getting hard shit done. I think most of them are addicted to making shit hard because hard is what they've been validated for doing and they validated themselves for doing so long. So like, think about it this way. They love to do these hard workouts that get them so sweaty and make them feel tired and make them feel like they're in pain because you have that tangible feeling. Yeah. You know, it's like insanity took off. Insanity, horrible <laughs> yeah. workouts for people who are overweight, trying to lose weight. Like, let's let's get these people just jumping a million times and breaking their joints. Wonderful. Love it. Magical. Um, but it gets people sweaty. It gets people tired. It gets people in pain, which makes them feel like they are doing something. It's that feeling of doing. Then two, these women, like they love the thrill of being on their diet, of hitting every single thing of having so much willpower to you know, cut their calories down drastically and kind of suffer in that way. Because again, it feels like something. But what they don't admit is that they do love the thrill of falling off of their diet as well. Because I think that we are so used to chaos. We are so used to things being hard that we are almost addicted to it, especially if you are someone who validates yourself off of that. And I've noticed this in myself that you create more of it also. So not only do you kind of love all of these things that you drag yourself through, the all or the nothing, part of you kind of craves that, um, but you start creating more of it for yourself. And then when you do try doing these things in a more slow, sustainable, consistent way, it doesn't feel like you're doing enough. So you're going to keep wanting to do more and more and more and more because you don't trust yourself to pull back and it actually feels wrong, like viscerally wrong. I know from my own experience that when I had to pull back my exercise, take rest days, eat more food, I kind of felt like I was dying, like <laughs> because it was so unlike what I had been doing for so long. And I feel like many other people who are on the all or nothing and have been on the all or nothing for so long and also pride themselves themselves. On getting hard shit done in so many different parts of their lives, when they pull back, it feels like they're doing the opposite of what they should be doing, which makes them panic and fall back into the all-or-nothing feelings. It's mm. my theory.
0: <laughs> mm. Mm. Controversial. The bit about like people love love falling off as well. They love the failure oof controversial! I see. Made me think of the think that it probably is true. It probably is. It made me think. Do you know the meme that's like, "How dare you say something so controversial and yet so brave?" You know. <laughs> do you know the meme? <laughs> yeah,
1: but like, I really think that when you're in that place, letting things be easy, it's some of the hardest work you'll ever do because it encompasses all of the different things that we've talked about before. Yeah. Um. And I thought too, gosh, I had one other thing that I wanted to bring up. Bleah. I think it just disappeared out of my brain. No, nah, it might pop up again.
0: Okay.
1: But, yeah. Okay. No, it's, oh, 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 oh,
0: no. It's go, exactly go, 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 exactly go. You exactly. <laughs> <He swung laughs> the funny. dog behind you. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, what? Like, um, what happened?
1: But literally that, again, the admitting that you like to fall off, it is admitting that you are a hot dumpster fire of a human being if we circle back. And part of you does enjoy that. Sometimes I'll have clients who just can't, they can't make a change. They can't do a certain thing. They're frustrated. They're hitting their head against the wall week after week after week after week. week. And I will go and I'll ask them, what do you love about what you're doing right now? Like, what does this do for you? What is this giving to you right now? Mm. Because part of you loves this. And when we can admit that we love that, when we can be like, oh, yeah, I'm here and I love binging on cookies in the evening because first it's delicious and I feel like I'm in this war and that's really exciting. It's really fun. Well, then we can like laugh at it. We can face that that is what is happening and that helps us move through it. Um, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a very different way of approaching things, but it's been really helpful for me. And no, I think, I think you're totally right.
0: I think you're totally right. Do you follow um, Karen Nordin? Yeah, I do. Yeah? If you heard her, so she talks about procrastination, like, oh, I struggle with procrastination. And she says, procrastination is not a thing. But like, when you're procrastinating, you're doing something. So, like, what is the thing that you're doing? And, like, that was huge for me. I'm such a big procrastinator. Um, yeah. And that's. I, f- I feel like it might sound like a bit of a tangent, but like, I feel that's such a similar thing. Because people are like, oh, I just procrastinate so much. Well, actually, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? What is it that you like about that? It's a very similar thing. Yeah. Like people just think, oh, I just I just always like, why can't I stop binging in the evenings? Well, like, what are you actually doing? What are you getting from it? Exactly what you just said. What are you getting from it? What is leading you to do that? What is your motivation there? Yes. And, and that awareness. It, yes, yes, yes. And
1: like what you said there, like, why can't I stop doing this? That is automatically met with resistance because we're judging ourselves and that kind of goes into a different tangent, but a valuable one as well in judgment and judgment of ourselves and how it affects us versus asking, why am I doing this? And approaching things with this almost childlike curiosity. And that is when you start seeing why you like what you're doing, how you're setting yourself to be in this position time and time again, and that leads to acceptance, which ultimately leads to compassion, which ultimately lets you move forwards through it. Um, but yeah, that's definitely an interesting one to explore.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, th- I, think you're, I think you're spot on. And I, the whole um, like people enjoy it being difficult. You, you've absolutely nailed it because that is, as soon as you mentioned it, I was like, oh, yeah, that's so, so obviously the answer. Yeah. Um, yeah i have clients all the time that are like oh, i just doesn't doesn't feel like enough like can i do some more and I'm like you could but it's it's not any more effective so yeah. like why why do you want it to be harder but less effective and like the same thing with deloads and like rest days i don't yeah. feel like i need it but but actually like it does you good so, so why do why do you want it to be hard for no benefit you know People do. People, that is people's (laughs) preference a lot of the time is I I don't care. I just want to, I just want to feel like it's hard.
1: Yeah. But then ultimately, it's what burns people out.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'll even have this conversation with people when we're talking about stress management because, again, speaking about busy women, we're working in fitness and nutrition. A lot of them have body composition goals. We need to address stress. And, I will straight up tell someone, do you love the stress that you have in your life right now? Like, are you kind of addicted to that stress? Because you need to admit that to yourself before you start taking things off your plate so that you can sit in that uncomfortable place where you aren't stressed, where you aren't doing things because you are so used to this fight or flight state being your normal state 24 hours of the day that it is going to feel very, very wrong. Mm -hmm. And if you can't admit that to yourself, that you are used to that, that you kind of enjoy that, that there is a certain amount of validation that that brings you, you are going to panic (laughs) as soon as you find yourself in that place. So interesting, interesting things Mm. as human beings do for sure.
0: Yeah. Fascinating. Fascinating stuff. I found that a lot of my content recently has been, hey, you don't need to worry about this thing. or like, Mm. hey, you don't need to do this thing. Like, you don't need to do all this warm-up stuff. You don't need to do all this mobility. You don't need to take this supplement. And you always get so much resistance. And I'm like, hey, this, like BCAAs are kind of, they're done now. But, you know, the last <laughs> yeah, few I think years. everyone's
1: realized that BCAAs
0: are bullshit. I, th- I feel yeah. like we've won, that, we've won that battle, you know? The war rages <laughs> yeah. on, but we've won the battle against BCAAs. But, you know, for years it was like, hey, BCAAs don't do anything. You don't need to take them. Like one less thing to buy, one less thing to worry about. Great. And the resistance, like, no, I want I want to take BCAAs. Like, I feel like they work. Like some other guy says that they work. Like, I want to do it. Like, we're telling you that things can be easier and you can not do that thing and not spend money on that thing. Where, yeah. Why Why would you fight that? Well, that's human nature. Funny dumpster fire humans.
1: Yeah. And I'm actually interested if you've noticed this in your coaching, but I feel like most of the time I'm just giving people permission slips to just kind of do what they, what they really actually want to do to let things be easy. I give them permission slips to not be so hard on themselves. I give them permission slips to do a workout half-assed again, these constructs of all or nothing and doing more. They're so deeply ingrained that it's, actually the opposite that people need they just need permission to do the in-between they need permission to be messy human beings which ultimately is what moves them forwards
0: i like the way of thinking about it that you're just giving a permission slip as well because it's, it's like you said for yourself like you could put yourself on a certain amount of calories but you hired someone to do that for you because then you will you will listen to them like because you have that accountability because it's someone else turn you. So like those people, your clients, could easily give themselves that permission, but they need you to do it. They need you to give them that permission. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like when it comes to coaching, I always, always come back to the fact that coaching is a great way to build trust in yourself. Mm. Because to start, most people they don't have much Trust in themselves. They live in a place where they have a lot of self doubt. They don't actually think that they can achieve these goals or they don't fully trust themselves to do this on their own. So you find someone who you can put trust in so that you do the things that help you build that trust in yourself. Mm. That's what I did with that nutrition coach. I didn't trust myself to eat that amount of calories, but I knew for four years that I could physiologically consume that amount of calories. I literally have little comment threads from this Facebook group that I was in from four years before I hired that coach where I was like, oh, I really need to eat like 2,000, calories, blah, 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 blah. I didn't do it for four years until I finally outsourced my trust. I put it in someone else. I did the thing and that helped me build trust with myself.
0: Fantastic. Should we move on to the next question?
1: Let's move on to the next question.
0: Okay. Cheat code. What's one tip that you can share which makes a big difference? Little tip, big difference. Go.
1: Yeah. Like my tip is basically just a summary of everything that we just talked about here, which is to stop fighting your dumpster firingness. Like just accept the fact that you are human and Second, laugh. Laugh at yourself. That actually, let's make that the main tip.
0: Yeah, because that's a cheat otherwise. You're just saying what you already said. Exactly.
1: (laughs) No, (laughs) (laughs) laughing is the way. (laughs) Laughter is the way through. Um, And I guess, like, I'm actually going to circle this back to one of the first questions that you asked me in terms of my recovery from an eating disorder. The thing that made the biggest difference for me when it came to my recovery, was laughing. I started laughing at times that I shouldn't have. Like like times I should not have. Really bad, dark days where I was binging and treating myself like shit. I started finding myself laughing. I found humor in my neuroses. I found a humor in my catastrophizing. I found humor in my rationalizations and my anxieties. Um, I found humor in the moments where I hated myself the most because I realized at that moment in time that I suffered from this specific condition, a condition that I have, that you have, that we all have, which is the human condition and that we have this lizardy brain that is incredibly silly (laughs) and often gets in our own way. Um, And I found that that laughter, it helped me kind of heal from that criticism, from the critiques, and allowed me to foster a better relationship with myself, which again is what truly moves us towards who we want to become, towards our goals, towards having a better relationship with ourselves, fitness, nutrition, and everything else. Um, because I realized in that laughter that these were not faults of my own. It was not my burden to bear, you know, in terms of Mm. intrusive behaviors, impulsives and thoughts, like Mm. they're normal. They're so very, very human. And that allowed me to find acceptance. So yeah, my one tip is laugh when you want to beat yourself up, when you want to quit, When you find yourself judging yourself, when you find yourself being a, like, class A asshole, laugh at yourself. Find humor in it. Mm. And that is going to unlock so much
0: for you. Mm. Laughter is the cheat code. like it. Laughter
1: is the cheat code. Actually, one last thing. Gosh, I really like just going on these tangents here. Um, (laughs) But something also that I noticed is that a lot of people who are in this place, all or nothing, up or down, self-critical, whatever, They don't actually have enough fun in their lives in general. This is what I've noticed and also what I've gone through. So I think more of us need to give ourselves permission to have fun, to find joy in our day-to-day life, small moments of joy, big moments of joy, Mm. like program fun into your week. I build my life around fun now. (laughs) And that keeps me in a much better place than when I... Resisted fun and thought it was bad that I had fun and that I had joyful moments and that I laughed. No, nah, like be a kid, go have fun, build your life around fun. It is the way, yeah.
0: Nice. I don't know, I don't know what more I can say about that. That's fun, that's great. <laughs> yes,
1: Fantastic.
0: okay. Are you up for a few quick fire to finish oh, up.
1: Yes, send me the quick fires. Let's
0: so go. What do we got? Uh. I've done the tutorial level boss fight cheat code. Let's go for level up. What is one thing that you've got better at or a new skill that you've gained recently?
1: Making decisions and making commitments. <laughs> <laughs> it is still a work in progress. I have a really, really hard time making commitments. I have a really, really hard time making decisions, but I am working through the resistance because I've realized that when you don't make a decision, when you're waffling, that is a decision. Indecision yeah. is a decision that ultimately gets you nowhere. Yeah. So don't do that. <laughs> and every time I make a decision and a commitment, it just makes me feel more grounded. It makes me feel more focused. It really brings me a lot of meaning because I put the work into those things that I value highly. Um, and yeah, it just is very, a very, very valuable tool in life. To learn how to make decisions and to make commitments and to
0: honor them i've just just read think again by Adam grant which is fantastic mm. I, would, I would recommend think again mm-hmm. um, and and a big part of that is that you you can change your mind so like if you're thinking about making a decision just make a decision because you can change your mind afterwards i think this is a this is more all or nothing mindset that people think once i've made the decision I've got to stick to it. Like that maybe there's a bit of um, some costs fallacy in there as well. Like you've already done some work towards it, so you've got it. You've got to keep going, you know, or else it's wasted. Um, but yeah, you, you can always change your mind. You can always think again.
1: Yeah,
0: hundred percent. Cool. All right. Last one, I think. New game plus. If you could start the game again, but you keep your knowledge that you have now. What would you do differently?
1: Um, okay, so I want to actually know with this one, like the game. What is the game? Is that from when I popped out of the womb?
0: <laughs> the, the game is like your, your, your life. But like, I'm talking about like the fitness game, you know?
1: The fitness game. Yes, I know, I know, I know. Um, like, honestly, looking at things from where I am now, I wouldn't change a thing. Because it's taken me to where I am today. Like, my sitting in the shit for all of those years, it has made me develop this very, very deep understanding and this very, very deep empathy of what it means to be human. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, is one of the main things that... Like, it's one of the main skill sets that I have as a coach is just that deep understanding and empathy. Because I know your pain, I understand your pain, I understand why making this change is so hard for you, but I also can relate to that and help you move through the different obstacles that come Mm up. Now, of course, it wasn't all that pleasant to sit in that pain, so I would have gotten help way, way, way sooner. I would have started working with people way, way, way sooner. I would have gotten myself a class, a therapist. I would have gotten myself someone to really support me through my recovery so that I could honestly gain, again, that gift of a few years back from my life. Um, because even now, being in a place where I have been recovered for a couple of years, I have a lot of stuff that still comes up. Actually, recently, I have started to see the effects kind of of my eating disorder as a trauma in my life Mm. um, and how it affects me mentally and how I have really poor nervous system regulation all of these different things Mm. that have been coming up and I think that had I dealt with that sooner had I gotten support I wouldn't be in this place where I'm dealing so with so much of that shit um, because now I kind of need to go through some some other types of healing and self-work and support work to get myself to a place where that does not affect me anymore. So yeah, that's what I would say. Get help sooner so that I don't need to deal with the shit that I need to deal with now. But I know that eventually having gone through all of this shit, it's going to make me a better person <laughs> and I can help others in similar ways. So yeah, that's mine.
0: And that's, that's good advice. Like. Get help. Talk to somebody. I think everybody should have therapy. Therapy is so good. Like, it's amazing. You're, what do you say, twenty three? You're twenty three, and you've like gone through this whole thing in the last few years. Like, I'm thirty two, and it was only in the last two, three years that I've really kind of discovered myself. And before that, I was just masking, suppressing things, like repressing emotions. And that's really messed me up. And it's only the last few years I've started to deal with those things. Um, so yeah, if I could do it again, I would definitely have dealt with that stuff way, way earlier, like it would have saved me a lot of trouble in my life in various ways, relationships, work, etc. cetera. Um, so yeah, I would definitely make that change.
1: Yeah. I'm curious for you, like what, what triggered it? If You don't mind me asking. That a whole,
0: that's a whole other episode. <laughs> yeah, that is a whole, a whole other episode. Um, yeah, big, big stuff. I was previously married. Uh, I got divorced, mm-hmm. ended that relationship. Um, and then I basically had a, a mental breakdown and had to deal with that. And um, there's a lot of other stuff like, going on in my life at the same time. So I was un- under a lot of pressure. I um, had to get therapy and deal with that. And very, very recently and kind of made the discovery that i probably have adhd which has never been diagnosed so i'm going through the diagnosis process for that at the minute and that has just made everything in my life just kind of makes sense
1: (laughs) yeah
0: all these times when maybe i wasn't being very kind to myself and i was just thinking god what's wrong with me why can't i do it why can't i do that thing why am i so lazy like i don't feel lazy i want to do the thing but i can't do it and like why is it so hard? Why do other people seem like you know all that kind of stuff? It just makes sense now. Like, oh yeah, oh I've had, this thing's been in me my whole life, and I've just suppressed it and masked, like played a character for the majority of my en- entire life. So that's kind of um, yeah, big big stuff. Yeah, if I could have dealt with that much earlier in my life, that would have been amazing, I think. But like you say change things kind of. You? you can't go back really
1: no you don't know until you know
0: you don't know until you know
1: and maybe maybe you'll find yourself in 10 years and something will happen and you'll go okay that is why i went through x y and z thing that connecting with this is why i'm here and blah 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 blah. right the meaning of the universe but whatever it might also just be a thing
0: <laughs> absolutely yeah well we'll see we'll, we'll see. see you know put a, put a note in your calendar now 10 years time <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll talk day. again okay. did that thing happen do you understand everything now
0: <laughs> no i hope i will speak to you again much sooner than 10 years time mirror lovely speak to you is there anything else you want to say to the listeners before we sign off
1: no just okay. go have fun laugh at yourself <laughs> stop being such a dick the end
0: Sounds good. So if they can, uh, if they want to hear more of you, which they should and see more of you, where can they find you?
1: Yes. So I'm on Instagram at Mira Tuzlak. We've got our Instagram for our company, Beyond Body Coaching. My business partner is January Fitness. We're all awesome. Come follow the crew. There will be a podcast in the making. God, I'm going to put it here because it holds me accountable again. And I've been saying that I'm going to do a podcast for like five years. It's, it is time it is time. So it yeah. will, it will come. You can expect more of this class, a wisdom.
0: I did, I, did, I did episode one of this podcast before I decided what this podcast was going to be um, <laughs> months and months ago. That was like the pilots. Um, so Mira said, she's going to do a podcast. I was like, you do podcast, I'll come on yours. But also you come on mine and then we've kind of forced each other to, to get this thing going. So that's what's happening. So yeah. Uh, more episodes of Brain and Gain coming very soon. And also look out for mirrors. All those links to Instagrams, etc., will be in the description of this podcast, wherever you are listening or watching.
1: Amazing. You made it to the end. Thank you. I appreciate you. And to the next one. I
0: appreciate you too. Cool.